Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This interview is being tape recorded. My name is Paul Maleri and this is XJob Downloaded. And today I'm going to interview Cliff Rooms. Now, Cliff is a former member of Essex Police and now lives in South Australia. And he is my first Australian contributor. Um, how are you, mate? I'm fine, thank you. You? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's really good to see you. The time difference is a bit of a killer, isn't it? It's five o'clock in the evening there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, just gone. So it's a bit like... Cause- I mean, you you know, because you've been here before, but this country has about three different time zones. So, so yeah, it's, it's the half hour. Time. It's the half hour bit I didn't get. I, it's only once I got to Australia that I realised that I think it's you and Darwin have have a half hour time difference, which I mean just yeah. sh- shows the size of the the country. No, but you are right. It's weird. That half hour is weird because I've never seen it ever anywhere before. No. It is weird. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sure it does happen in other countries, but um, yeah, it's it's a strange one. But where did it all begin for Cliff Rooms? Where were you born, and you know, how did you get involved with the police? Uh, I was I was born in Stanfield Albion Grays, uh, and I, I got involved with the police because I well I used to play rugby. Um, I used to play rugby at Furrow Rugby Club and stuff like that. And uh, I'd always had an idea that I wanted to be a policeman, I think, police officer. Um, but my, I, at the time, you had to wait until you was 18. And uh, I didn't know anything about cadets or anything, but my manager was a, a serving police officer. And, uh, and he said, oh, you know about the cadets? And I said, no, I didn't really. Um, so it goes to show how good it is having coppers doing stuff outside because he went well it, it does exist here here i've got i'll find out the details for you and and, and you start your your journey from there here you go have a go at this and and yeah and, and so i was before i was working as a costing clerk at barters um oh the shoe place down in east tilbury yeah 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 i was doing that and uh and then i found out about this i uh, found out about cadets and lucky enough I passed that because they were only taking I only took 12 at a time when we did it and uh, yeah I was um, I was lucky enough to pass that um, and I joined and, and met uh, people like Stuart Smith and, and stuff like that um, and some very nice people there uh, and that's where it started so I, I was a cadet for just over a year um, and then I joined proper in September 1987. Right, okay. Went to Ashford. Uh, went to Ashford uh, and then come out of there and got sent to Clapton. Uh, Clapton? Yeah, yeah. And because yeah. we, we had digs then, didn't we? I mean, that was yeah. that, that was the difference. You got you got digs and, and whatever. So I didn't realise that you got sent to Clapton. I mean that's yeah. that's the furthest point from Stanford he hoped. <laughs> I mean I suppose Harridge is slightly further, but yeah, not too much. But yeah, 
Yeah, and the lad that was living in Clacton got sent down to Graves because that's the way they do things there. I think that was, yeah, I think Stuart lived up there, so um, yeah. he got sent to Graves. I think that's how it was done back then, wasn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. I I went from Elmstead Market to Braintree, went into digs there in in eighty seven. Oh wow! So how long were you yeah. down at Clacton? Uh, I did just—I think I did five years in Clacton, um, and once again, uh, this is the story of how I do things. Is just I kind of fall into things really because um, I was—you know—I was there, and then all of a sudden, I remember sitting in a van uh, doing um, public order duty because used to there we used to stay after late. She used to stay on until two o'clock in the morning in a van. Doing pub uh, patrols, yeah, and um, and I was. Am I allowed to say who who? Yeah, of course you say in, what you like. Yeah, because right, right, um, I was sitting there and and and, and Stoker, uh, Tim Stoker was the sergeant, and uh, we were chatting, and I'd never heard of the support unit, like naivety, ignorance, or whatever. I've not heard of it, and um, he said this thing exists, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that sounds brilliant, and. Uh, so from conversation here, that, that sparked my interest into getting on support unit. And what did the support um, unit do? I mean, there'll be people listening to this. What, what did they do at that particular time? Uh, at that particular time, we did, they did things like uh, the diving was all, was all done there. Um, they did surveillance, they did public order, uh, and they did firearms, all the firearms work. Um, so all, apart from the, the ARVs. Yeah, when I because when I got up there, the ARVs were still where they were. So the ARVs, the, the armed response vehicle, done the initial containment of, of buildings and stuff like that, and a lot of vehicle stops and everything else that was uh, firearms related was done by the support unit. The pre-planned, pre-planned stuff. Yeah, yeah. and also they, we you know we did things like house to house, or you know you turn up where people just want a lot of coppers, really. Yeah. Um, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting people probably don't know, but yeah, it was a fantastic, a fantastic place. Absolutely. I mean, it, and that was the day when it was still in the old police headquarters above the stable yeah. block and all all around there. Yeah. And yeah. that was a different atmosphere, wasn't it? Going into that um, into that building, I think the the printers were downstairs, yeah. and you'd walk up those stairs, and it would be like a play a play group in there. It was just yeah. it was just a different yeah. culture. Yeah, it was, and it, it was yeah, that was one of the good things. I remember my first day. I sat sat at the end of the table. I was on Jed Stouffer's shift, and I uh, I sat at the end of the table on my first day coming in, and it was daunting because you sat there and went, "These are like these. They all <laughs> seem to be big men." And they all, and as you said, it was different to to sitting on a, a shift table, clapped, and it's like, mm. I remember some people come in and just didn't. Didn't engage with you at all in the first place no. until, <laughs> until, until they sort of they kind of look at you and go, hmm, "What are you doing? Why are you?" Here? And then after a while, you're on, and then then obviously everyone warms to each other and stuff like that. But so, yeah, it was. But you, you're yeah, talking about a time. I mean, this is 1992, there or thereabouts. Yeah, there would have still been people on there that were involved down when Paul Howe was sh- shot down at Ramsey. You know, so you've yeah. got there's there's a lot of old school people. You know, the likes of Keith Bishop and and so on, real old characters, and they were grumpy yeah. buggers as well. To the younger blokes like us, they were. Yeah. I don't suppose they were grumpy. They just seemed it. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I was lucky. I was put on a shift. I had a cracking shift um, because I went up there and I did six because I, I was taken on as a diver. Um, thankfully, because I, you know, I'd never done diving before, never done guns before, and I, I went on to Jed's shift for six months before I went on to Nigel Dermott's shift, which was a diving shift. Um, and then I went and done some time on there, and then things I don't know how, and then went back on to B shift again um, after a while of diving. But I kept both bits going. I was very lucky. Uh, all through my life career, I've I've been lucky. I've you know I, I was able to do both roles. I was able to do diving. I was uh, able to keep on with the firearm stuff. So you know, um, yeah, it's <laughs> a go through life. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, I'm lucky. I'm at the point I am now because of all the people that have put effort in to me beforehand. So I'm in a happy place in my life. I live 500 metres away, not like 500 metres, 300 metres away from the beach. And to get me here, I, I'm grateful to everyone that put a bit of effort in to me. Yeah, but you do make your own luck as well, Cliff. It's not its not all about them. You, you, you're you the one who's done the hard yards. You, the diving section has obviously gone now, but you've gone on there a couple of years after we lost the two lads over at Dobbs, Dobbs Weir. Yeah, Dobbs Weir. I remember um, we were at Rye House because we used to do public order training at Rye Yes, we House, did, yeah. And I'm pretty, sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember this is how it happened because... That was one of the things that you fell in with love with the unit because we were as cadets, we were we were there being baddies with, with the support unit who were big rough, rough and, uh, Yeah, and uh, in my memory, and I might be this might be my memory playing tricks on me, but the day it happened, we were there doing some training and the support unit were being baddies as, as always because that was their role, and um, and that happened, and they just went, We're leaving. And I think there was someone that someone ranked tried to say no, and and that was this can make them sound uh, anti-establishment word, but they went no, we're going because they all wanted to go back to the unit office, yeah. and that's how I. And I also remember that no one was going to no one was going to stop them. No, it was like it was like you could that chief, and I'm sure the chief constable, if he was there, wouldn't have stopped them, but they could have said. Because no, you ain't. You got to carry on with training. But mm. in my memory, that was like, no, we're calling a training turn in now. They're going, and that was it. They went. Yeah, it's. I, I mean, it was. A, it was a sad day. And of course, as I say, the the diving section is now gone, along with a number of other things that were quite important, to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that like, though? As somebody who's never been into diving, you you've gone on this training course and you can't see your hand in front of you. In front of well, your face because you're down in the muds of wherever. What was that like? Yeah, no, that's, that's a pretty good description of what it was. It was because I learned in Scotland uh, in and Glasgow and stuff like that. But yeah, I was I put my hand on my heart. I wasn't ever the best diver there by any stretch of the imagination. I was never I was never the, the best. But you do it is disorienting. As you say, you go down there and. Um, you see people diving <laughs> like out here they go oh we're going diving and you go okay fine that's a bit different to to how I remember it but yeah it was and it was, it was yeah some things that I'm like silly things like I remember still remember at the training um, when I was in that we were buddied together so there'd be two divers on a bit of rope and um, uh, 
attached between a pair of them and you'd be under the water. And um, <laughs> this lad I was with, the day before he'd been with another student who was too buoyant, who kept going up. <laughs> so all the rope going up. And so we'd pull him down. And uh, and I'd run out of air. And I couldn't get my reserve going. So no. I was going up. And he was pulling me down. <laughs> oh, like, my God. <laughs> and just like... And, for the grace of God, go away because I managed to flick it and get it going eventually. But just for them couple of minutes, he thought he was helping me by keeping me down. And I'm going, oh, yeah. But um, yeah, things, things like that. It, is, it was different. And, you know, you make that, there's everyone in police work has stories to tell because of what, what they did. And so, yeah, there was, I mean, that was good because, I, you know, we, we got to, I got to go to, after the plane crash, I, we, we were diving in the, in the, in the lakes there. Obviously, we get not in that particular particular case, but um, part of it was getting the bodies out as well. Um, so the plane crash uh, was the Korean air crash, which was um, yeah. December. I want to say oh, December '99. Yeah. yeah, I can't. Yeah, I'm sure it was. It was. It was yeah. certainly Christmas. Whether it's '98 yeah. or '99, I certainly remember it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we it, it was all hands on deck. We we actually went from the CID office because we were guaranteed um, bank holiday working, so we, <laughs> so we all went and did the scene press up there. It was big though, wasn't it? But you sit there and and that's one of the things that that not many people have gone to when you when you no. go plane crash, you go to something else. I've been to a plane crash. I, I took a camera with me, and I still got pictures of the the wheels, and because it's in Hatful Forest or on the edge of Hatful Forest, and I've got pictures of the wheels and the people that were there. My old mate Mick Frost, and you know all these great people that I worked with, and we had a yeah. ball. We had an absolute yeah. ball. You know, it was that was part of that was the excitement of the job that we did. Attending yeah. a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, but that's how it was. Do you know what I remember about that? On Christmas Day, the, the chief executive of Korean Airlines had flown over to the UK and turns up in his suit, and it was a mud bath, wasn't it? It was absolutely yeah. thick, thick mud, and he walked across there to pay his respects to his crew. It threw the mud oh, in his mate. you know in his suit and didn't worry about one. Oh, well, well, yeah, just, oh, it was, it was horrendous to see, but... Um, yeah, but that's what that's what we remember. So, how long were you on the support unit for? Well, God, uh, I think that time. I think maybe just short of ten years, maybe. Ten years. Then I went from there. To weapons. Yeah, then I went from there to weapons training, and then I went back again, and then I went to weapons training again. So most of my career was done, I on either on the support unit or or weapons training. What was that like working on weapons training? Because you're still. I suppose by that time you're one of the more senior members of of the team. But what was that like? Yeah, that was different as well because I I really it was one of those things was I you know I, I didn't think about it and then I didn't think I was good enough to go and do something like that to go and go and teach other people. Um, and there's probably some people going well. I know there's some people going around going we're well, never good enough anyway. So um, so he's right up that bit cliff. But um, it was. Uh, yeah, it was different. It was, yeah, it was that was more of a challenge to yourself because you sit there and go, right, I've got to, I've now got to communicate what I know to other people um, and get it across to them. Uh, yeah. And and then 
when they're on all the, the bits, all the all the law and stuff, that's all got to come across. And I was very grateful because, yeah, I learned lots. And I didn't, in the first thing, first instant, because Tim said to me, because uh, Tim Johnson was the, was the sergeant, he said, well, you know, you are good enough. <laughs> yeah. You are good enough to do it. And I was like, oh, okay, fine thing. And I think sometimes that's all you need to hear. You yeah. just go, all right, okay, I am good enough. I'm not, I think you turned around and said, it, it, you're not being better than anyone else. It doesn't mean you're better. It, it means you're good enough to teach other people, yeah. to teach them, get their stuff out of their heads, to give them what they need. And I was like, okay, yeah, fine. And what people don't realise, if it all goes horribly wrong, one of the things that gets tested or scrutinised is the training programme that the the person involved in an incident, um, you know, what sort of training they went through. Yeah. What weapons were you training? Sorry again, sorry again? What weapons were you training? Uh, Well, at the time, we had had Bretters, MP5, uh, Bretters with the handgun, and then we changed over to... The SIG, didn't we? So we, that was the handguns, the MP5s, uh, and then they got phased out. So we used the G36s. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't a sniper or anything like that. So I, that's not sniping, they called snipers. I wasn't a rifle officer. Uh, Why can't they call them snipers? Well, I don't think you can call snipers. Maybe you can. It makes sense. Oh, it makes sense. But, but yeah, no, there's, there's obviously some politically correct reason why yeah. we can't call yeah. people snipers, even if that is their yeah. job. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about that one, but it's just, it seems in keeping that we can't call people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um So, yeah, um, but yeah, that was really good for me. Really good because I sat there and go, and it was, it was nice as a personal growth sort of thing, considering I'm now talking to people that are my peers. As you said earlier on, I'm still trying to tell people that have been here a long time. Um, not tell them. I'm sort of trying to... I mean, I'll tell you what was interesting for me. This is what was the fact that because I'd done all of my support unit life on one shift near enough, apart, apart from being on diving shifts, like one firearm shift, all my firearms work was done on one shift, I thought we all did things exactly the same. Right. But there's five different shifts up there and everyone sees things differently, doesn't it? Everyone, yeah. You can look at a rock. Two people can look at a rock and say, tell you different things about it, can't Yeah, you? absolutely. And, and it hasn't got to be wrong. So it was that was an enlightening thing for me was watching different shifts do it and, and watching the different people at the front do stuff. And I'm going, oh, well, well, I wouldn't have done it like that. But it's not wrong. That's right. But it's still, but and it, and it feels better for them. Yeah. So I learned stuff because I was going, oh yeah. Um, but then also when you when you're doing stuff like that, you've got to do what comes naturally to a certain point, isn't it? So if I was trying, a uh, for example, um, I remember once um, we were standing. With, I, I was with um, Spud um, and. <laughs> I had to describe Spud. <laughs> I, know, I know Spud, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. He looks like Roger Daltrey. Yeah, he does look Roger, da- looks, look like yeah. Roger Daltrey. Well, yeah, but he was a bit older than me. He's going back to what you're saying about the older people and the younger people. I remember standing at a, a doorway, so we put the door in, um, and Spud's talking to this to this person that we're, we're going to arrest. And uh He's talking as, as Spud does, and blah, blah, blah. He's saying how he does things naturally. And I'm going, hi. Oh, yeah. And for the life of me, and I, I, 
I sat there and I still remember it to this day going, I'm going to try some of what Spud said. <laughs> and it doesn't work. My abiding memory of Spud was that when Victor Dark shot at officers at Abridge in about 87, 88, and um, Spud's walking along with a shotgun under his arm. Honestly, it's just because <laughs> yeah. Victor Dark had done a robbery at a, a nightclub in Ilford and he'd, made, right. he'd hijacked a car, police car I think it was, made his way into Abridge and shot at a PC called Paul Rowland who, no, who, who left the police prematurely. And, um, of course, 10, 9, 10, 9, the, everyone turns up there. And then the following day, we have to go and do a line search to try and find this bloke because he's gone and hidden. You, you, you finish up on weapons training? Yeah. Yeah, I finished on weapons training, um, oh, yeah, the second time. That was quite, uh, yeah, I, yes, I was lucky enough to have another go at it. Because um, well, I, I, when kids were born and stuff like that, I needed to, a lot of weapons training was good for me. Because yeah. of being there, and then, um, then I think I wanted to test, like, see if I, I was still relevant. So I went back and had another go at the unit, and then I realised I liked to think I was relevant, so I could go back, back again to weapons yeah. training. So that's how it kind of happened. What was the so highlight though of being on the unit? So again, what were the highlights of being on on the force support unit? People, without a shadow of that, people, absolutely the people. The job, I mean, I tell my kids, um, you could be the richest person in the world and you still wouldn't have done some of the things that we've done. That's very true. Police officers, as police officers, in whatever role we did, there's things that can only be, even if you was the richest person in the world, you'd probably only be pretending yeah. at it. You'd go, right, okay, and you wouldn't feel scared. I mean, I know there's times I was scared, more than one, and times people have turned around that was a big learning lesson for me. What I heard it was a a huge. We was there's a big fight in Saffron Walden, and um, Saffron Walden is a place that's miles away from anywhere. And and, and, and we were up there, and um, I remember Lucy Lane saying, "I think I was acting on Lucy," and the police cars were coming down. We were just putting people in the back of the police cars. They were getting shoved off to the, the cells and stuff like. That. And another car had come along with someone else, and. and um, Lucy Lane came to me and said, "It's all right to be scared, Cliff." I was like, "Oh, thank you." Was that was I, that the I, rave? Uh, no, no, this was just another Friday or a Saturday night. No, I, I didn't do the, that that one. But that's the, by getting on with it with the people. They just know you so much. Oh They're yeah, that close that you go right. Okay, he can tell I'm scared. But many times people can say right. He's a bit worried. He's a bit worried. Or Cliff needs to do that. Or we need to do that. Or we need to push that person that way and and so yeah the two things out of it were the people that are because and I think also in that time that span that I was on there the world was different wasn't it oh it was a laugh wasn't it you 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 know that I'm sure people were offended <laughs> but yeah. but you know if if there was a lot of fun to be had being in the police service in those days when we were there and I, I do feel sorry for the youngsters now, and you, I mean you've you've mentioned a couple of characters there, Tim Stokes and um, and Spud, and it, it really does make you wonder how where those characters. Are. I'm sure they're there, but I do also know that a load of our old mates retired and went back to do the job, you know, weapons or defensive skills and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose they keep on that 
that tradition, but I do feel for them. But the, but then there's a lot of stupid people as well, Cliff. They use what's <laughs> they use WhatsApp and they send each other stupid photographs and they use words that they would never use at any other time other than in a joke on and then they get caught by professional standards and guess what? They're out of a job. Yeah. Or yeah. or they go on and sell police equipment. I mean, who thought I that's a good that. idea? To sell your jackets oh, yeah. and your you know, it just begs belief. If there was an extra charge of stupidity, there's a the few people should be facing that one. But you're right about being scared, mate. It's it's we've all been scared at some point and when you're getting the living daylights kicked out of you, if you've got people around you, everyone's scared. It's when you're on your own that's really scary. Yeah, yeah, and that, that, and that's why I was lucky, because I had you know, I could more or less say or do what I yeah, I had people around me. For example, like I'm a little fat man, so I'm not. Everyone else was 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 bigger than me, bigger, taller, and so you go right. Okay, it's like yeah, okay, big on me. But guess what's coming out of that van yeah. in a minute? And, uh, you know, or and everyone thought the same. For like, for example, you know, you go one night and you talk to someone, and then I remember going, all right, uh, conversation went along the lines of, right, I'm gonna go. Have you got anything on? Yeah, that's going to hurt me when I'm going to go in three pockets. And the, the lad, cockiness, it was cocky, and you could tell it was not cockiness. But yeah, I've got a knife. So I just shouted out, knife! And all of a sudden, you got, and all of a sudden, boom, he's on the floor. And, <laughs> and you go, right, there you go. And you were being cocky, and so, yeah. And, and our gang was always bigger than their gang. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite, I don't know, yeah, it was. And there were times when it was scary, but I always sat there and thought, you know, I'm quite. I am lucky, very lucky to to have been there. Do you know what? That time, yeah, absolutely. And I think they've still got that camaraderie up there. But what I like about it is the the close knit of the community. You know, when uh, when people were lost, you know, people had heart attacks and passed away. There's there's almost like a memorial in the office, oh, yeah. and those people are still remembered today. Uh, my uncle yeah. was on the support unit in the mid 70s he was like one of the first after Markham set it up I think yeah. Kev was on there about 78 something like that and um, there's still that camaraderie between the different years if you like it's yeah. a common language the only thing I don't yeah. like is this new watch that they've brought out and they've changed the because the, yeah. for me it was the hands and the chain now they've they've yeah. nicked the, the Metrosian sign and I don't know anyway that's another story so how yeah. did we get to Australia then, Governor? How did we? Well, I'd always, I think I'd always harboured the idea that when I left the police, well, before I got married, I was going to go and live in an island somewhere on my own, and, and but that didn't. I don't know where the inkling for Australia come out of it, but as long as I've known my wife, Alison, we've always gone. We're going to come here when 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 we finish. When I finish, uh, her brother moved over to Melbourne, to Victoria, um, a fair few years ago. And so we'd come over every um, couple of years to see him or uh, uh, and, and the, his family over here. Um, but I think one of, the, one of the big things that attracted me was, uh, hopefully I'm not speaking out of turn uh, to this, but like they, his brother-in-law had tried a business. Um, it hadn't worked out. Um, but there wasn't, didn't seem to be as many repercussions for trying something 
and it not working out as they were in England. For, like, for example, my dad used to run a, a company and that went uh, that went downhill very quickly when we were kids. We like, we saw both sides of it. We were we were we had a fair amount of money for a while, and then um, I remember one Christmas my mum says, "Yep, yeah, guess what? There ain't going to be much coming this year." And uh, and as kids go, oh, what's that? And I ended up with this. <laughs> I don't know if they, anyone else in the world got this, but the, my Christmas present that year was a Peter Powell stunt kite. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. I'm like, right, where's the rest of it? For years, I was like, oh, that's it. And I'm like, well, Peter Powell's a DJ. What's he got to do with stunt kites? That's <laughs> perplexed me for years. But with the brother-in-law, that didn't seem they they them repercussions didn't seem to happen. As a country, it was like, okay, you've tried this. You still live in the house that you were in. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you won't be able. To, you know, you can't try anything for for whatever. But you, you know, you're not going to lose your house. There's no. It didn't seem to be anything like it. So that was uh, one of the things, and obviously the weather was another thing. But um, we'd always thought about it, um, and then yeah, so. So we always, I always wanted to go somewhere when I finished in the police, where I could be less cynical, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure I turned into quite a cynical person. I'd like, I wanted to, I wanted to do that start again thing, where I go somewhere and like no one knows me, and uh, I'm not cynical about anyone else, but I can learn stuff again. Um, that hasn't always gone right, um, but. Yeah, that, that was the main reason, I think, for it. We're, uh, and, and to be fair, when the kids come along, you could see the kids were... The kids, we thought they would get uh, um, a better life here because there's only... Where we are in South South Australia, our state, Great Britain fits into our state three and a half times. And I think there's... How many, live in, how many people live in Great Britain? 60 million? 66, yeah, there are thereabouts. Yeah. There's two or three million <laughs> yeah. living mice. <laughs> so it's a third of the size. With so we thought, well, they'd have uh, more opportunities, and I think as girls they probably do. Um, and that was the thinking: when the kids come along, they'll get more opportunities you know, uh, over here, a, a better life. And to, and and they did. In that first year that we come over, Neela were my oldest was eleven. Should have been eleven, right? We definitely got. Another year of childhood out of her, right? Which she might hate, but we we loved implicitly because because of the way things worked out with her school year and all the rest of it. And there's no doubt the kids in in England are more advanced with getting older. <laughs> They're getting older quicker yeah. than than they do it. Like the kids here all just want to go down the beach or whatever, and so that might sound stereotypical and you might disagree. It might just be my state. No, I agree. Uh, we definitely got another year out of Neela of her being a, uh, her being a kid. But also, like the pair of them, we can like, – I've got no problem with them going up the shopping. It might be wrong. I might fail, fall fail of it one day, but I would never send my kids to – I would never let them go around Lakeside on their own. No. Or green or blue or whatever. But here, they would, they're quite happy to get on a train, go and do that, and then come home. So, so how far out from your retirement? Because you retired at forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. Forty-eight and three quarters. How far yeah. out of your retirement did you start the process to move into Australia? Uh, it would have been probably eighteen months, two years before, because we had to get the visas, um, and 
the visa, the rules on the visas were um, such a silly thing. And I want to get it. For me, I had to get everything done by the time where I left the police or I'd never get it done. Right, okay. Oh. So what what were the rules that because obviously you're that much older, you're not a tradie, you're yeah. not a, yeah. so you're not a electrician or anything like that. No. What were the rules if if somebody was listening to this now and thinking, oh, do you know what? I want to retire next year, or in eighteen months' time, I want to go to Australia. What mm. what did you encounter during that process, and what were the rules? The best thing to do is marry a what a nurse. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> Yeah, Alison. Well, most Alison's got the visa. The visa we got was for all of us, but my, she had to go through the, the process. So we're on my hanging on her shirt uh, shirt, shirt towels because right um, they accepted her as a nurse and asked as the family to go with her. Right. Okay. And we did it, and we did it through. Uh, we were very lucky again because we went through a uh, a company who got our visa and I would suggest any, if anyone wanted to do it I would suggest going through a company to get it done because we just, it might have been a little bit of a ball ache at times but they knew what they were doing and they said right okay you get this visa it's one below being a in fact we were uh, we were permanent residents straight away oh were you so, oh okay yeah because yeah, they said right okay it's going to cost you a bit more money but you'll be per, uh, you'll get a permanent resident visa which then means you can go wherever you like, uh, do whatever you like. Um, you're not because they have state-sponsored ones and job-sponsored ones and stuff like that. Um, you won't have to do any of that, which gives itself your own problems because you have to find your own job and stuff like that. Yeah. But you can go wherever you like. Um, it's one step down from being a citizen. So, um, don't we were advised to do that and we had the money we didn't we had to borrow had to borrow the money off my mother-in-law to, to to do it um so we went for that one um and so i remember when it come through because i was standing on the range at lid and the, and the rain was horizontal and it was like oh and it was freezing and i was thinking oh. and i know we shouldn't but i like and i was going and we had a break and I looked at my phone, I know because I was expecting it to happen that sort of day, and there was a message going, all right, we've got the visas. I thought, right, oh, brilliant. Guess what? The rain doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it's now quite nice. And how far uh, from retirement were you at that point? That would have been probably eight, ten months, because we come over, because then after that, once you get it, you have a year to validate it, and we did it in a few months because it suited us. Right. Because we had a uh, family wedding to go to, so we come over and validate. So I reckon we I had that 10, 11 months before we left. Something uh, what, like that. what was your family's reaction when you said, well, guess what? We're, I mean, I assume they knew you were going through a process, but what was that? How did they take the news? Uh, all right. Well, what, um, my, uh, my mum and dad were all right about my, my dad was the same as he was when I said I was going to become a policeman, to be fair, because he wanted me to take his what was left of his business. And I said, no, I'm going to go and be a policeman. He went, oh, I don't want you to do it, but it's your choice. Off you go. So he kind of the same sort of thing then. My mum, when we left, I knew I'd not see – the only time I'd see my mum and my dad would be when we fly back to England because mm. she'll never get on a plane. So that's always been the case, so I knew that. Um, and they – you know, they understood why we were doing it. They, they understood that we wanted to do it for the like, to make the kids a better life and stuff like that, which and have a better life and a, 
and me be less cynical. Um, so they understood that. Whereas my wife, my in-laws, they can they come over, well, every couple of years. So they come over, and, and so we see them. Um, but yeah, the, and my brother, my brother, I found out afterwards didn't think I was actually going to do it, <laughs> even though it was going on. He went, "No, you'll bottle it at the last minute." So uh, my sisters always wanted to to live here anyway, so I think well, there might be a bit. Um, she might still manage it one day, but. Uh, it is hard, yeah, it though, isn't it? Go I mean, on. it is a long way, and I find it really difficult having two grandchildren in, you know, tropical Queensland. It's it, And they're exactly 10,000 miles door to door. Wow. And that's just mad. I mean, thank the Lord that we've got, you know, this type of thing, your Skypes and all the other teams and Zoom and everything else that goes with it because it does make the world a smaller place. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely does. And like my my wife, Alison, she she communicates with her family a lot more than I do. So, but all through them things that you said, so you manages to, you manage to keep it together and stuff like that through there. God knows how they did it before all these things. Well, God knows. mate, on a Sunday we used to listen to family favourites, I think, or whatever it was, on a Sunday, and they'd say, and from Sydney, the such and such, an auntie. You know, yeah. whatever would sends her love and we used to sit there listening in case Aunt Dole my mum's Aunt Dole who'd moved to Brisbane in about 1963 in case she'd written in that's how oh. and, and if, if there was a phone call it had to be an absolute emergency where someone you know someone had passed away or what have you and it would be yeah. you know whatever a pound a minute so nobody phoned Australia because they couldn't afford to now we're doing it on WhatsApp yeah so yeah the only thing that takes time still is air travel. Yeah. Go on, mate. We can get now. That's only going to get better because you see, I can, you can get, you can do it in one hop now from Perth. Mm. That's a long time. I've done it once, but you can do it in one hop now. And that, that's only going to get better, isn't it? Yeah. My wife did the, um, she went to Darwin because Western Australia just, they opened up later than everybody else after COVID. Mm. And um, so, Qantas went into Darwin and then she just went from Darwin to Cairns, which is a short hop by comparison. Yeah. What did you do when you got there though, mate? What was what was life like when you arrived? Uh, well we had a <laughs> we had another bit of luck, which is us being lucky again, the lucky rooms is. Um we always knew that it was only ever gonna have in our lifetime, we was only ever gonna be nearly rich once. So we said to the kids, right, we're going. Um uh, but we travelled over. We said, right, okay, we're going to sell the house, sell everything, blah, blah, And we left and we went, we come over via Disneyland, Fiji and Melbourne. So we went to Disneyland for a while and we did everything. Disney stayed there, paid a bit of extra to do this, this and this. So the kids loved that. And then we went to Fiji, then we come in. And we were quite lucky because friend, family, friends let us have a house right in the middle of the city of Adelaide. And we were in there for about, well, we had it for six seven weeks but i don't think we stayed there that long because we found a house to live but um we were they were very lucky with that we went right okay so we were in adelaide and we said right okay now you've got a we, we gave ourselves a certain amount of money uh to that we could spend while our adventure lasts so we we said right okay on such and such a day the adventure ends and that's when lifetime starts so we kind of went right okay we're in a city up until it was october time i think 
then up until then um it's an adventure and we will go and see things and do touristy stuff and all that but on that day after that we then go to work and stuff um so for that first month we just uh looked for a house to buy not to to, to rent in the first place but look for a house so every day would be things like go and look for a house around uh certain places and then afterwards we'd go and do a touristy thing with the kids or something like that um and then we found one in Brighton. It's quite, we'd been to, I live in a place called Brighton, um, and we'd been here before. Uh, uh, it's right by the seaside and stuff like that. And so we'd been here before, and we kind of thought, if we could actually get a place here, this would be magnificent. But um, we didn't know whether we could or we couldn't. Uh, but one come up. It was a bit more than we wanted to pay for rent. Um, but we said, no, stuff it. <laughs> for a year we'll sort out uh, we'll pay a bit more and whatever so we rented a house uh, in Brighton which is where we've stayed ever since and since then we've just moved across the road because my daughter's friends said we're selling our house do you want to rent it or buy it and we said oh we'll rent it and then buy it off you so we bought it off them oh lovely <laughs> and uh, so yeah so then for, it is, I think it's important when you come over you got if you do something like this you've got to have a day where you turn around and go right the adventure changes and real life starts because there's got to be a real life time somewhere and um, I took on a job as a cleaner uh, and Alice and my wife found a, a nursing job and that was uh, that was fraught with danger because although and here's a, if people are thinking of doing it you need to do a bit more homework because I come over just blase with all the things that the police had taught me. I'd get a job straight left, right, and centre, but it didn't happen that way. Was, you know, I applied for loads of jobs and couldn't get any of them. And I couldn't get in the police. I can't type quick enough. I couldn't, uh, which I just sat and thought, I can't type quick enough. That's ridiculous. Seriously? Uh, yeah, I just couldn't type quick enough. My typing speed's not quick enough. So, uh, And then I went. Uh, but yeah, we tried lots of things, and uh, my cousin runs a, a cleaning business, so I went and worked for him for a while, oh, okay. which was yeah, turned out all right in the end because uh, although the country had said Alison could come in on her nursing qualifications, when you when we got here, there was no more red tape for her to jump through and stuff like this. So we ended up having to do a master's so that she could do the job that she was doing in England here. So oh, nobody tells you that on these TV programs, do they? No, 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 they don't. No. And maybe it's just this state because uh, everyone does things differently. But we, like Alison come in and in England, she was a nurse practitioner. And uh, so she come here and she, we ended up, she started off as a healthcare assistant and she's right. now back up to being a nurse practitioner. But it's taken, she's had to do a master's to get there and, and another qualification before a master's. Um, so she's put a lot of effort into guess where we are now. How, how do you find the cost of living out there? Uh, it's all right. To be fair to us, people keep like the best one of the best bits of advice we were given was don't compare it to English prices because you'll never get over it and stuff. So we don't. But I mean, we've like a cup of coffee here is probably uh, if you get a large coffee, it's probably about two and a half quid. Petrol is less than a pound generally because mm. our petrol changes every two or three days and generally pound 
it'll be one because exchange rate is one point nine at the moment. So our petrol's is it? our petrol at the moment is one point six. So it I'm, does go yeah. above sometimes, but people generally get the ump and people back government whoever make people back down and it comes back down again. So, but you need to. It dr- it's, it's such a big country. You need to get around. So if you can't, yeah. if, if you feel so expensive, you're never going to go anywhere. So that's why they keep it. Uh, the one thing I found really expensive out there was booze. Yes, yes. Oh yeah. I, yeah. You, you know all these, all this um, Paul Hogan. You know when when we were kids and all these Aussies drinking lager and VB and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I thought it was going to be reasonably priced, but it was bloody expensive. I know you're right. It is expensive. Very expensive. Um, yeah, I don't drink that much, but I mean, we uh, we're in a wine place, so our wine's quite reasonable, right? Um, but yeah, the beer is expensive, and um, yeah, and you don't get when you go to Queensland, do you get imperial pints? I can't remember. I drink I drink it straight from the can. Great Northern, yeah, Great Northern, Great yeah, Northern. Yeah, we yeah. buy we buy the Great Northern packs because my son goes to. What's the fishing place that it's a big fishing fishing chain in, and they they get vouchers in them, and the the spot prices. Oh, boat and camping fishing. That's it. BCF. BCF. Boat and camping fishing. Yeah. BCF. Yeah. Yeah. Go in there and get your your Yeti coolers and all the other stuff that go yeah. with it. So, yeah, it's um. But I was really shocked at and 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 groceries. But like you say, you're not on holiday. You're living there so the cost of living is yeah. what it is but when you're traveling as a, as a holiday make you think how much is that piece yeah. of steak and fish yeah. i found that quite um expensive but the fish is fantastic yeah yeah the food that we have here and and the, and the, the wine and stuff we have here is is nice it is very nice for uh that we have in our bit um but yeah going on for we have we still shop in aldi <laughs> so oh, do you? you know what it's, yeah, so we still, as you say, we live here now, so it's like, well, I'll go shopping Aldi if I need to and, and stuff like that. So there ain't many of them around, but there's a few around here. So we'll shop in Aldi. And the, the stereotypical drinking Australian, yeah, must earn quite a lot of money because, as you say, the beer is expensive. And what I like about Australia is that the week is for working, the weekend is for weekend. Yeah. It's, it's for, you know, camping, barbecuing, doing all, you know, yeah. having that, that – me and leisure time I, th- I think that yeah. and a lot of shops I don't know whether it's the same where you are but a lot of stores don't open on a Sunday so yeah, I mean they still yeah. maintain that family ethos that we've we've seemed to have lost yeah and they're big on that here and our, our shops have just started I've just in the last year started opening on a Sunday at mm. 9 o'clock but well, the family thing is is, is big because they will turn and you look around and you go and sometimes you sit there and go, because I speak to other poms and we go, right, okay, this, you know, we're always at work early because that's what we've been taught for and blah, 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 blah. And then you go, but have we got it right? Because people then now turn up bang on time or a little bit late and they just go, and it seems to be like <laughs> not turning up because the, the tides in <laughs> go surfing seems to be a justifiable excuse around here and stuff like Like getting their tradesmen, they'll just, tradesmen are awful because they'll just won't bring you back or stuff like that. Because they're out doing exactly what you say. They're going, oh, okay, I'm going down the beach, I'm going surfing, yeah. or I'm going out with the family, or which is lovely when you look at it and go, what a nice way to live. 
when you're trying to get them to come and do something for you, it's, it's annoying. How did you but, find uh, the wildlife when you got out there? Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I still love it. Oh, I still love it. We go, because um, like, people come out, um, I mean, we see people like Jed Stove comes out each year because he comes out with the tennis and stuff like yeah. that. So we see him and, and so we can take people up. I, but the kangaroos are probably, we, I took him up to our reservoir. There's a reservoir around the corner. So it takes me, you know, we, we'll be looking at kangaroos within 10 minutes if I want to. Um, uh, the um, koalas are a bit harder to find because they're obviously up in the trip, but they're great. <laughs> I can find them. We get, we've had, uh, down there on my beach, on my beach, it's my beach now. <laughs> we have, uh, <laughs> dolphins come past. So we've sat there and, and the dolphins will come past or, uh, and, uh, the rays, we've got a lot of rays. We have a sea lion come down the pier uh, and pelican. So if you're on your sort of like going surfboard, uh, we don't say surfboard. No one uses them here because we don't get waves. We only get waves in the winter and people will surf with their wetsuits on because it's a bit cold. But we don't get can, don't get waves in the summer. So we're all on uh, stand-up pedal boards and you go oh, along nice. the razor underneath you. Yeah? So you see that. That's great. It really is good. Uh, just... Wildlife what about the sharks? Wonderful. What about the sharks, mate? Ah, uh, yeah, we've had a couple of we've had a couple of sharks here. Um, I think the first time a shark along, we would have been the we would have been the embarrassing English family because we didn't realise what it was. So we were walking down and I just put the board on me. Oh, we had a board or a kayak or whatever, and I had a board, and, and so all four of us are walking down the beach. We'd heard this alarm and we just not realised what it was. And then as we'd obviously look like stupid people because people are walking the other way and they're going, you do you realise that's a shark alarm? And we go, oh, yeah, we're going to go and sit on this and on the beach. We're going to sit on the border. We're going to do. But they do a really good job here because we have the life – you would have seen them, the life, surf life-saving people. Yeah. Yeah, if they're, it's a, like every Saturday going on from what you're saying, during the summer they have nippers here, so the beach is full of kids doing life-saving training and Brilliant. it's packed with – kids doing life saving training and their families and stuff so all come down and watch but um, they're life saving people here if there's a shark out there which happens occasionally they will ride take the boat the ribs out and just kind of shepherd it away oh wow so yeah, it's really quite good they'll, oh, they'll, they'll be above it and we have the helicopter come across it so everyone sees it and stuff like that so it's monitored and it kind of so, so do you get great whites there? Cool. do you get great cool. white sharks there? no uh, no, we. I don't think we've had them here. We like we have the. Um, oh, what was the last one we had? Bronze. We had the bronze. bronze shark come out. We haven't had a great white come past it. We see the. Uh, no, we don't. It's a short answer. I don't think I can remember seeing one here. But everyone knows because like Jed come over the other way and he watches it because like from the other side of the country he's got this um, shark thing on his app that you can oh, watch right. the shark. Telling us, he tells us when the sharks are coming and stuff like that. So, but um, yeah, we don't see them that often. But, but, you, I suppose, but I'm talking through the perceptions of the average pom. I mean, I've, I've yeah. been to Australia, as you know, a few times, and um, I, I went out on the Great Barrier Reef and I saw one black tip shark swam underneath me as I was snorkeling along. I didn't see, a, I didn't see a snake. Not well. That's not strictly true. When it poured with rain and the wind was blowing, there were a few on the on the street because the the tarmac is red hot and you know they. Yeah. But 
Yeah, it was it was funny. Yeah. No, we haven't seen a snake. I haven't seen a snake uh, here, I'm, apart from in the zoo and stuff like that. So, yeah, snakes we haven't seen. Um, I'm sure they're about, but because yeah, um, so. there's signs up saying, well, you know, beware snakes and stuff, but I'm sure they're about, but we don't see them. Oh, but, yeah, great. It's worth. The, I mean, you've you've seen them and stuff. So, and out where you go, we went. Uh, we go whale watching. This oh, time for us, whale watching and stuff like that, which is great. That's brilliant. Because oh, it's your winter now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, another give me another three or four weeks. It will be warming up, but it's it's nowhere near like because uh, we had the seasons. It's nowhere near an English winter. It's like. Today was 17 degrees. Oh. You get started quarter past five, half past five. Uh, and, it, and it will probably rain three times this week, four times maybe. Apart from, I mean, there's lots of things going on down there, but apart from family, what, what do you miss about the UK? Uh, a proper-sized bath. <laughs> right. <laughs> We've only got a tiny one. Uh, it would it would be that answer of friends. It would be the answer of um, I know I can still do it. It's, it's weird because I know that I can still ring people and go, and I still do ring people and go, "How you doing? Um, how you doing? I need." But it's the immediacy. I couldn't ring someone if I was having a problem here, as you said, time wise. I wouldn't dream of ringing someone at three o'clock in the which is there three o'clock in the morning. Mm. Um, I think that would be that would be. Yeah, the um, the connections. But then I think I would, I think it would be hard going back to what we said at the beginning. I think it would be hard. I don't know what other people find to make them connections again that we had working with the, the groups of people that we worked with. Yeah, to I agree. find them again would be. I don't know how you'd go about it. No, no. I think you know we were thrown into that. From the day that we jo- you joined the cadets, but the day I joined at training school, I had 30 people in my class. And I could speak to them all today as if I'd not been out of touch with them. You know, and, and that is the problem with the police service is that we have hundreds of acquaintances, but we have half a dozen real friends. And that's that's the you know the take the camaraderie and all that I get I get all of that but those people that would actually come out to the M25 or whatever you know the Bruce Highway or whatever you've got down there um, <laughs> the people that would actually come out and help you because you've broken down you've got you've actually you can grasp them in one hand. Mm-hmm. And what what does the future look like for Cliff then? What what are you going to do next? We you know. I'll just watch the kids get old. <laughs> just watch the kids get old and hopefully enjoy themselves. Like Neela, my oldest, is going to come. She's talking about coming back to England next year when she finishes school and having a look around. And she wants to have a look around through adult eyes um, as opposed to how she remembers from the kids' eyes. So that's fine. Um, so how will that let, – let's, let's talk that through because I've had this conversation with my, my youngest because I've told him that at some point – my grandchildren are going to realise that Nanny and Granddad are sitting here waiting with open arms, and there's a there's a bed and there's food on the table, and and as they're my grandchildren, they can probably do whatever they want. How will you feel when if your daughter comes back and says, "You know what, Dad, I love you, but I'm going to go and live back in the UK"? Fine. If both of them do it, we'll move back. Would you? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of whatever country the pair of them, if they end up in the same country, then we'll go. Um, we'll go to whatever country that is. So, uh, or, or if the country lets us, obviously. But um, yeah, no. The oldest has turned around. And she's has said she's going back. She's going to have a look, but she's not going to live there. No, she's no. Come back here. Afterwards. So we'll see. But she, you know, that's that's the future. Yeah, so abs- both, absolutely. If they both go, then like me and the missus will probably sell this house that we've got here, or do something and go and get a. Like go and live in the hills and, and have a bigger house or whatever because she wants llamas or alpacas or whatever. <laughs> and do that stuff. But um, yeah, no, I I'm quite happy. Just I'd be nice to to come back again a few times. We've been back two or three times, three times I think. So we'll keep coming back, seeing people because as you said, a lot of people with things like Facebook and stuff like that. People are, are still in contact and stuff. Like yeah, that. Um, and we'll see. But um, did, yeah, you, I mean, did you give up your English passport, or have you maintained that? Uh, no, it's still English. We've just put in the paperwork in to become uh, Australian citizens as well. So I'll keep both of them, which is a big thing for my oldest daughter. Both daughters are like, we want to stay English. We want to stay British. And I said, well, you can, but you can also be Australian as well. And if we're here, that makes uh, a good job for you because I agree. Uh, if you become citizens here then there's more um avenues open to you can get jobs in government and stuff like that opportunity and yeah you're not no absolutely dual nationality certainly with i mean australia is a great place and there's great people live there and they're they're probably closer to us i know it's very americanized out there now i'll be honest with you um yeah but they're closer in culture to us than probably any other any other commonwealth country oh yeah that's the point when the, when the Queen died in in September, I I got a really strange, a very mixed reactions. North North Queensland is a very you know, it's quite um, rural in a lot of ways, and it, but it was mixed reactions. The news coverage was phenomenal. I mean, it was absolutely. I, I can't imagine what it was like here, but you know, September the eighth last year, the news coverage was unbelievable, and we were glued to it. But what was the reaction like where you are? Around the passing of the Queen, and what's the re- the feeling about the King? Um, well, I think I think uh, it was much the same as you. The older people, older um, older Australians, older Poms uh, or whatever, you know, that was a big thing. It was a big, big thing, and they were like, "She was our Queen," because it's only in recent history that um, they've stopped singing the national anthem. Mm. I, I can't remember the dates, but Mike, you talk to my cousins my older cousins here and they were still singing the national anthem when they were at school our national anthem yeah as opposed to to the australian one so that's a new thing but i think yeah i think the older people of our age and above were were not devastated because obviously she's an old lady but just thought it was great uh thought that the um the ceremony was was very good and all the rest of it because we do that very well and i know people were having do we have bunning up? There was certainly people uh, that were that were sort of um, as we would be. We were like, okay, oh, this is it's a shame it's happened and all the rest of it. And there was always the younger people were younger people and dark. Yeah. Not re- it wasn't relevant it, to them. Yeah, and that's yeah, good point. Actually, it wasn't relevant to them. Um, and I think the king maybe has got some. Impressing to do on people here, 
yeah. I think because, like it's a new, it's new, yeah, he's new and all, all the rest of it. He's always been Prince Charles before, and everyone was interested in Queen, and maybe not so much to him. So, um, but yeah, I mean, our family think it's great. Cause I work with a, a, a disabled place down, down the road here, and uh, I look after a young, uh, a young man, and he's, uh, he's, I met his mum and dad. And they keep asking about because they knew what I did before, and so we've had conversations about um, like the Queen and Prince Princess Anne and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, yeah, and, uh, there is a lot of love for them. A lot of love. Well, there's a lot of love for the Queen. And um, I think most people are now, and I don't know what it's like in England, but most people are probably going, "Well, let's see what happens next," because they're big yeah. whoops to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's interesting. You've mentioned your your littlings and and whatever, you, but didn't you have to go into the school and uh, and explain oh, yeah. to them because yeah. they thought your your littling was having them over? Yeah, there's a couple of times I had to do it. It was like um, you know when the Queen comes to uh, Essex a couple of times. Uh, I was doing some CP stuff around it or whatever, and so some close protection stuff. And so I tell Neil and say, right, don't say anything until after the event, and then you can mention. And so she, so, so she told people, and then that happened the first time. And the teacher, that teacher, Paul, said, "Well, felt like, what do you think, needless telling fibs?" I'm going, "No, it actually did happen." I was there, blah blah blah. <laughs> and then the second time it happened, it was we was doing a, a firearms uh, job um, at a traveller's site, and uh, I'm poking my gun out and shouting, screaming, blah, 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 blah. And uh, the plan was we let the dogs go and the, the dogs being, I was standing in front of the police dog. And so he <laughs> took, a ch- took a big bite out of my leg and I was like, ah, so I'm standing there trying to, trying to be frightening, but also going, ah, and the rest of it. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to cut you free, mate. I'm really grateful for your time today. Um, no. Thank you for sharing your experiences before I go though. Is there anything you'd like to add, alter, or correct in relation to the statement that you've made this morning? <laughs> no, I just hope that uh, it's interesting for people. And uh, Paul, I'm not in all. I don't know how this will come out. If anyone's thinking about coming over, and I know other people have done it, there's. I got. Um, I've been stopped at least twice since I've been here, where people have gone. I know you, and I'm like, oh god. And both of them have been coppers, so both of them have come from Essex out to here. Um, so I'm not the only person that's done it and my my experiences might be different to anyone else's but if you've got my phone number if anyone gets hold in contact with you and says like I want to have a go at it then yeah send them through I'll, I'll have a chat with them and, and stuff like that because Thanks, I can only tell them about my experiences other people's will be different but if it helps them then fine well thank you very much Cliff love to see your family and I hope to catch up with you soon yeah next time you come over come and visit us I know yeah. it's a uh, no, I, I will, mate. We, we're going to do a road trip. We're going to go like Perth, Adelaide, through to you know Sydney and up the coast. So we we will be doing that, mate. Yeah, make it here. You, I'll, I'll buy you a beer. One of them really expensive beers that you keep talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on holiday. I'll be buying you the beers. <laughs> Take care of yourself, mate. God bless, and I'll speak to you when you're older. Yeah. See you later. So Thanks, I'll mate. Hit that Cheers, then. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.